There is a great humility mixed with great faith coming together in these readings today. In Hebrews, we have Paul saying that Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And it says he was heard because of his reverent submission. But in John, Jesus is much more confident about his death on the cross that is to come. This death, which Jesus knows from the beginning in John, is what will speak to the nations. In other words, beyond the Jewish people. In John, Jesus knows that he will be glorified. So there's no hesitation, no tears, no asking God to save Jesus from what he will endure. So which is it? Tears and supplications to save himself from death or confidence in his death on the cross? Well, like much in scripture, there are paradoxes and dichotomies that may not necessarily seem like they go together, but really they, they do go together in order for our faith to grow as disciples of Jesus. I'll probably say this over and over again, that God speaks to each and every one of us in ways that we can understand. And the epistle today is a letter to the Hebrews, the Jewish people who would have understood the concept of great mourning and supplication. In the Hebrew scriptures, we see lamentation as a part of life and part of our relationship with God. The Jewish people would have understood the concept of sacrifice and reverent submission. And Paul often does this. He, he speaks to various congregations in the, in the different epistles in different ways. He, he molds his letters to his audience. He speaks to the Greeks in ways that they will understand. Paul knows that the language of Jesus speaks to different cultures in different ways because Paul understands that the gospel is a living truth, a living word, and we must speak to life as it is, which is complex in the way each of us understands things. So sometimes this is the portrait of Jesus that speaks to us, the reverent journey toward Good Friday, the wailing, the grieving, the uh, learning of obedience because of suffering. Not that God wants us to suffer, but you know, there are those times when it takes something big, even I hate to say terrible, that forces us to hit rock bottom, that, that makes society hit rock bottom so that our eyes will be opened, so that we can deal with whatever happens and make new from the tragedies. The scales will be removed. God doesn't do the terrible things. We, we do it to ourselves. But sometimes we are such a stiff-necked people that the journey starts at rock bottom. But when we put it all together with John, who focuses on the glorification of Jesus being raised not only on the cross, but from the ground on the third day, meaning the resurrection, then we can see that the way of looking at the cross is through both lenses sacrifice and death, as well as hope and resurrection. It, it goes together. Jesus tells his mother Mary, he says, see, I make all things new. And in order for newness, I got to go to the cross. 
Now, Christian spirituality without the cross is not Christian. It's not Christian spirituality. Christian spirituality is real life humanness mixed with, with what we can't see, the language of the soul and the soul's relationship to divinity. And the two meet perfectly in Jesus the Christ. Jesus tells us that our spirituality is not divorced from real life, that we aren't called as a whole to be cloistered away, leaving our bodies and others behind in order to be spiritually awake. Now, I know that some people are called to that, but it's not the overall norm. I, uh, I remember watching a film um, a few years back called The Novitiate about young women going into a convent during the time before Vatican II in the 1960s and, and how in this instance, much was centered on sacrifice and that these young women, they just wanted to be perfect for God. And in order to do so, they had to have no eye, con eye contact or any human contact at all, because this is what was required in order to be holy, according to the story. Now, this is obviously one story, and it's not to negate the genuine call to be in a religious community and that community's piety. But what happened is that many of these young women romanticized a calling that left them at times feeling like a failure in the eyes of God because they, they needed human comfort at, at times and they needed human interaction and they just couldn't live up to that kind of austerity with no eye contact and no human interaction. And they were distressed because they thought that they were disappointing God. They needed to be in relationship with the rest of humanity. And they couldn't square that with the ultimate sacrifice that they were supposed to be making. We aren't called to be perfect. And these two scripture passages together tell us that God holds the bigger picture, a, a picture that encompasses the totality of our humanness and our spiritual nature. The two don't need to be separate in order for God to take notice. So this brings me to the very human fear or human reluctance to believe that we, that that, that little old me can actually connect with God or have the ability to do so. To those times when we feel disconnected to life. And I don't mean clinical depression. I mean those times when we feel that we somehow aren't feeling connection to all that is good in the world. When negativity or uh, jadedness creeps into our way of thinking about the way things are. Like, like change isn't possible or there's no way out of a difficult situation. When we start downgrading others in order to feel important, it's very easy to feel this way, even to the point where we don't feel we need God in our lives. When we become agnostic, maybe we say to ourselves, well, maybe God is there, but I can run my own life and God is a nice idea, but I don't really feel it. I don't really feel God in my life. So we say, whatever. But Jesus, who is called our great high priest, represents anything but a whatever spirituality. Jesus as a high priest is the assurance to the Hebrews that God interacts with us because a high priest is the one 
who mediates, who interfaces with God for us when we have those times when we feel we can't do it ourselves. And let me emphasize here that it's not that we can't interface with God ourselves. It is that Jesus, who is often described as the way, Jesus gives us a way. Jesus gives us a path forward, a path of understanding. The high priest in Jesus's day was the one who would go directly into the Holy of Holies in the temple. And this was a place where no one but the high priest could go in order to interact with God as God was thought to actually dwell in that place, in that Holy of Holies. And it was actually thought to be a very dangerous place to go, this place where God dwelt, so much so that the priest would have a rope tied around them so that if something went on in there that wasn't good, they could pull the priest out to safety. So when Paul is speaking to the Hebrews, he's doing so in a pastoral way that they can understand. He's giving them the assurance that their need for a high priest, that their tradition of needing a mediator, it doesn't go away but that Jesus is now the one who can be that role for them. And when it says in John today that there are these Greeks who come to worship at the festival, the image of a high priest is not used here because that is not what they would have responded to. For the Greeks who had many gods, all enshrined in stone, and for them, Jesus could have been just one of many gods. It is the language of the exclusiveness of Jesus as the only one, the only way that is emphasized when he tells them to serve, quote, me, to follow me. I am the son of a living God. Follow me and you will know that God is in no way the same as those statues that are all around your temples of worship, those stone cold images of an untouchable divinity. No, God is a living God. And you will see this with the crucifixion, with the pain and suffering of my Jesus, my Jesus' humanity. And you will see this also in the resurrection when I emerge as living among you. So follow me. I won't be a whatever God. I will be the one who will show you the way so that God will be in your life and you don't have to ever worry that goodness and mercy and compassion and a beating heart no longer exist in the world because I will remind you that it does and that it is in your heart always, even, even if you don't feel it. When Jesus tells them that if they hate their lives, they will gain eternal life, now, this doesn't mean to give up on humanity or our humanness. It means to hate or reject, maybe is a better word than hate, those times when our lives seem that they are bereft of God or when we think they are bereft of God, to reject the world that tells us that God is irrelevant or not needed or absent, to say, you know, I hate it when life is like that or I, I hate when I do these things that I shouldn't do. We must reject those ways and come back to Jesus who gives us clearer vision of hope and puts us back on the path. Doesn't mean we have to reject ourselves and hate our lives here on earth. Resist the whatever spirituality that denies the cross because we are not whatever people 
And God is not a whatever God. Supplications, tears, crucifixion, resurrection, it all goes together and is anything but whatever. It is life. It is eternal life. Where Jesus leads us to is a life of the acceptance of an outpouring of grace that enables us to truly live. But this grace, this glory can't be truly lived until the hard truths of our time, our culture can be exposed and then rejected as needed. When we infuse the hard truth of our time with the language of Jesus, the language of the soul, like Paul and the writers of the gospel did, those hard truths about the ways we are unjust or cruel, the hard truths of our selfishness and of our unwillingness to help the least of these, our own entitled glorification of ourselves above others, all these things that the world tells us is the way, the world tells us this is the way. Jesus tells us today, it's not the way. So as we approach Holy Week and the end of Lent, think about the dichotomy of Jesus today. Embrace supplications, embrace tears and lamentation, the benefits of lamentation, as necessary balm for the soul. Say prayers as needed, but at the same time, embrace the confidence of Jesus that we hear about in John. Who knows that the resurrection will follow? Lift high the cross, a symbol of our pain, our humility, our humanity, mixed with the glorification of a God who seeks relationship with us as a way to heal ourselves and the world. So I encourage you to find great strength, as I do, great strength and hope in this today. Amen.